Um, whether you're excited to be back is, I don't know, maybe that's a different, maybe that's a different discussion. I don't know how you feel about summer classes, but if you're anything like me when I was in summer classes, I was like, man, all my friends are at camp or on vacations or overseas, and I'm taking a class on algebra. I was a freshman at the time, I guess. College algebra, of course. Um, And I I thought, I just want to be there, doing something exciting and fun. And I had what's called the summer blues. So if any of you are feeling that way right now, I have the thing that's going to really put you in a good mood. You're going to look at something. We're going to look at something that's going to make you maybe think, all right, all right, life could be much worse. And That is Kanye West quotes. So, Kanye West. I am God's vessel, but my greatest pain in life is that I will never get to see myself perform live. You know, I swear, people go in life through starvation, but at least, I mean, at least they're not there, right? that's, That's a great pain, man. I am the number one most impactful artist of our generation. I am Shakespeare in the flesh. Kanye West. I am the number one living and breathing rock star. I am Axl Rose. I am Jim Morrison. I am Jimi Hendrix. This next one's my favorite. People keep asking me, who does he think he is? Well, I just told you who I think I am. A god. Like, really, he said, like, this this isn't someone just like, I'm going to pretend like to quote Kanye West. You can Google each of these quotes and see him say that. I didn't believe, I Googled it. And I saw him say, man, I believe I am a God, like saw that come out of his mouth. And you'll notice through all of these quotes, there's a theme. It's all about me. It's all about him. He, he wants to be a legacy. And that was four out of like a hundred. Just Google Kanye West quotes and you will see ridiculous statements made by Kanye West. Ridiculous statements. And it's all about the legacy that he wants to build for himself. And I notice something when I, when I read those quotes, when I, when I see that about him, he is lifting high and he is exalting himself. And you don't know, maybe you don't know this, but, but the Greek word to exalt, the Greek word for lift high, what that translated to is worship. And so what he is doing is essentially worshiping himself. And we all as humans, every one of us, we are all created to worship. Every one of us. We are all created to worship. We will all worship something, whether you believe it or not, whether you want to or not, we will all worship something. And whatever you worship will affect the actions and the things that you say. And so if you worship yourself, it's going to be all about yourself, making a legacy for yourself. But for the Christian who we worship, if we worship God, our actions will be missions. They'll be evangelism. It'll be Bible studies. It'll be serving people. And so this summer, we're going to be looking at the Psalms, and Psalms is is just an entire book full of worship. It's a a wonderful book. If you ever just want to praise God, just read the Psalms, man, because he, he uses such cool language to describe the character of God. And so before we even jump in the Psalms, before we, before we even get there, I want us to take a step back. I want us to define and look at worship. And today's talk is going to be all about what worship is. And so what I'm going to do for the next 25 to 30 minutes is it's going to be like a funnel. The first third is going to be why worship is important and why worship is distinct from everything else we do in the church. And then I want to kind of funnel it down and explain how it can be practical for us in church to worship. And so our definition, a simple definition for worship is is this. In Psalms 8.1, I think it it explains it perfectly. O Lord, O Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. 
So worship for the Christian is simply to declare God's glory. That, that is the, the simplest way I can put it, is to declare the glory of God. To come before God and say, I recognize and acknowledge that you are more important and valuable than anything that this world can offer me. You are more important than anything of this world. You are the only thing worthy of praise. And so, worship is very distinct. And I want to explain that so. So about, man, I guess it's a year. A year ago, I was in Asia. And what we did in Asia is we ministered to students and we would, we would ask them questions and we were there to uh, spread the gospel and, and share the gospel with them. And there was this one student in particular who asked me a really good question. He said, why do you recruit people to become Christians? And I, in my mind, in theory, I mean, that, that's an easy thing to answer. We, we do it because Jesus commands us to. We do it um, essentially because we want to spread the gospel, that people would then spread the gospel who would spread the gospel. And so as I was explaining this, he asked the question. He said, so you're saying that you just come and tell me about Jesus, so I'll tell people about Jesus, so they'll tell people about Jesus, and so they'll tell people about Jesus, which is great. That's a good thing. But I thought, as I was, as I was thinking about that, I thought, okay, wait, what's the meat? Where's the meat in that? Where's the content in that? And it's this. Yes, we do missions. Yes, we evangelize because Jesus commands us to. Yes, we do that because we want them to then mobilize and evangelize the others. But the ultimate reason why we tell people about Jesus, about his his saving love, is because we want them to worship him forever and take joy and enjoyment in worshiping their Savior for eternity. And so I looked at this and I saw and noticed because of worship— we do missions. There's some big pastor, I can't remember who says it, um, but he says missions exist because worship doesn't. And I thought about that, and I thought that that's true. If, if every single person on earth were worshiping God right now, there would be no need for missions. We did it. And so it's distinct from the church because, because worship is the only thing we will be doing for all eternity, forever. It is the only thing we will be doing forever, we won't need missions in heaven. We won't need evangelism in heaven. We won't need Bible studies in heaven. You think you're going to get together in, in heaven and be in our group and look at Ephesians 1 and be like, well, predestination. No, nope. we go, God, once and for all, predestination. Help us out. We're the Calvinists, Arminius, we're the free grace, we're the lordship people, right? Tell us, no more predestination. Yay, we did it. That, they won't, it won't be any. We have God right there. We won't be like, let's go overseas and, I don't know, spread the gospel to Jonah. We'll go to Jonah and be like, how did it smell in the whale's mouth? You know, we won't need any of that. It'll be all about worship to God. And so, yes, here, if we are truly worshiping the creator of the universe, if we're truly worshiping God, then yes, our response will be with missions. Our response will be with evangelism. Our response will be joining a community of believers and talking and discussing God's character with one another. Our response will be serving others in the church and serving others in community. And so I look at worship, and worship is very unique and very distinct because who we worship will determine our actions, and who we worship will determine the response that we have. And so first, before we even jump into how worship is applicable, I want us to come in this summer with a reverence towards worship. I feel like as a church, not Grace Bible Church, but as a church in general, the church as a, as a whole, we've, we've kind of lost reverence in worship, or we're losing it. And man, we, we forget that this is the thing that we're going to be doing for all eternity and so I want us, I want to challenge us as, as believers in this room, man, let's, let's give back that reverence in worship to know the God who created the universe 
loves us and he is so worthy of worship. And so before we even get into dissecting what worship is, let's start off with that, man. Let's, let's come into worship with reverence because God is so worthy to be praised. He is so worthy of worship. He is so good. Man, he is good. And so let's get back that reverence. Let's understand this is an eternal thing. The thing we just got done doing that Rob just let us in, we will be doing that for the rest of our lives as Christians. We will be doing that forever. And so when we come before the Lord and we worship to a man, let's, let's have that reverence. We see in the Psalms, there's a lot of different language, um, how, they, how they describe worship. They say to shout, to lift up, to bless your name, to praise, to speak, to tell, to give thanks, to utter, to make known, to meditate. And so you notice there's a lot of action in worship. It's being engaged and focused. And so worship is more than just, just singing. It's, it's being engaged in what's happening. It's keeping the forefront of your mind that, God, you are so worthy of worship. You are so worthy of it. And so it's being engaged in worship. And so as we go through defining how we can apply this to our lives, and even more specifically in this church, I want you to hear this as you're hearing this for the first time. And I did that, man. If you're like me, you grew up in the church, some of you, and you just, you just know what worship is. You, you hear it and— you think, ah, I know what it is. And I thought as I was studying this, as I was researching and preparing for this, I prayed and I, I asked God, give, give me fresh ears when I look at this. Give me fresh ears of how I should be reverent towards worship, of how it's something that it's not that I'm worthy of it, but I get the privilege to worship you. The fact that you could use anything else in the world, if you wanted, the rocks would cry out and worship you. And yet you, you take joy in someone like me, a sinner, who worships you. So let's, let's take reverence and that privilege to worship God. And so what I want to do now for the, for the rest of our time is I want to go into practically how, how do we practically worship specifically in the church. And so Blake Jennings, he, he had a great sermon on worship several months ago, and he had three points. And I want to dissect each of those points because they, I think they were great. And so working our way down that funnel, this is going to be practically how do we apply worship just when we're singing, when we're sitting in church, when we're right by one another. And so my first point is this. Worship is not just singing. And to illustrate this, I'm going to show a video from our friend Tim Hawkins. If you can play it in the back, CJ. But hey, if you're not used to going to a hand-raising church, you want to go and join us. Feel free to join us, but don't feel like you've got to join right in, okay? Start slow. We've got a lot of different hand raises that we use. We actually have names for our hand raises. So I'm going to walk you through real quick, okay, what they are, just to let you know. Say you're my church, music is rocking. Start slow. Hands in the pockets, little elbow flap. You're fine. Very subtle. Get warmed up. Get your heart rate up. When you're warmed up, start with the first one. Ready? Carry the TV. Carry the TV. That's our first one. Very subtle. Go to big screen. Big screen, a little wider. Next one's my fish was this big. My fish was this big. If you're a liar, you can go out there. That's fine. Don't worry about it. Jesus loves you. Grace. Next one's hold my baby. Hold my baby. Got dueling light bulbs. That's our next one, dueling light bulbs. Got goalpost. Everybody knows goalpost. Throwing a heartburn. A lot of people like to do heartburn. Double heartburn, right back to go post. What's my favorite? Mufasa. Mufasa, that's my favorite. The circle of life. 
Tim, can you go higher? Yes, you can. You can take one hand, go a bunch of different stuff. Pointer, hatchet, schoolroom. Release the doves, give the Lord a high five. Press it out. A lot of women like to wash the window. Wash the window. And when you're comfortable there, go for the big three. Village people, Rocky, touchdown. There you go. There's your big three. You're set. All right. <laughs> so worship is not just singing. Um, so in the book of Malachi, we find in chapter 2, these priests, they're, they're bringing their worship. Their worship was sacrificing animals to God. But the problem was they brought these tainted, um, really disgusting animals to sacrifice. And God comes in and he says basically says, you're willing to give the governors and the hierarchy of people um, in your city all these wonderful sacrifices. But to me, the creator of the universe, you've just, you've, you've made it into a joke. It's fake to you. It's not real to you. And so we find in scripture, a lot of times when things become fake, what people will do is they will actually physically do things to engage their minds and to, and to ignite focus. They would, I mean, they would kneel, they would bow, they would dance, um, they would pray, they would rip their clothes. Um, and so they, they would just do all these physical things to stimulate their minds to focus in on worship. And so what does that mean for us? Well, that means for us, distractions happen. I mean, you come in here and a lot of times you're thinking of class, you're thinking of relationships, and you're just distracted and it happens to all of us. And I think sometimes what can help with those distractions is doing something physical that will help stimulate engagement. Because that's the point of worship. Remember, worship, if we want to be reverent to it, we want to be engaged to what's happening. We want to be focused on what's happening. And so for some of us, it's just lifting up a hand, which for some of us, that is crazy awkward to lift up a hand. Totally get it. But if that is going to help you stimulate focus, then do it. I think of the Aggies. How many of you have been to an Aggie football game? Okay, actually, how many of you haven't been to an Aggie football game? Anyone? Uh, I see a brave one over here. Wow, man, you're brave. That's great. That's great. I'm glad. You should go next fall. They're fun. Um, but here's what happens in Aggie football. Some of us, we go all out. We paint our faces. Like, we paint our chests. And when we get there, we're prepared to stand for four hours. And I'm like, man, I want to stand four hours. To it. That, that's a lie. I don't anymore. I have no desire to stand four hours. But when I was a student, I was like, man, I want to stand for four hours in the sweat. And then I'm going to sing the Hallelujah Cadet Cadet. And I'm going to put my arm around my bro Joe and put my arm around some sweaty guy named Duncan and we're going to swing and we're going to be like, saw varsity's horns off and for the next four hours, they're going to be doing cheer or yells, sorry. They're going to be doing yells <laughs> and we're going to be repeating those yells and we're going to be like, pass it back, Ags. And we're just so engaged because the Aggies are worth it, right, man? Do you, do you think UT? No, come on. No one stands four hours at UT. Baylor? No, no. Uh, Alabama, maybe Bama. Definitely not the Dallas Cowboys. Without a doubt, not the Dallas Cowboys. Man, but the Aggies, they are worth it. They are worthy of our intention. And so we are engaged because we're all involved. We're all involved into what's going on. And we're like, man, second, they need a 12th man. I'm going in. I'm standing for four hours. I am going into that game. They can call me. You, you just watch. They call me. I'm going. Because we're so involved and we're so engaged to what's happening. And so I think that's probably a lot more exciting than just sitting there watching the game and, and not feeling like you're really a part of it. You just sit there and think, all right, this is fun. The Aggies are, the Aggies are playing. Uh, all right, whatever. But if you're yelling and screaming and you're involved, 
man, it just makes the, the experience so much more exciting. It makes, it makes the engagement so much more focused. And I think that moment that we stand before God, if there's people around us, which I, I don't know if there will be or not, maybe, probably not. If there's people around us, though, when we stand before God the very first time, are we really going to care who's watching us? When we see God face to face for the first time, will we care who's around no, man, we're going to be worshiping him. We're going to be worshiping him like we never before. We may dance, we may kneel. Who knows what we're going to do? But we are just going to be so engrossed into everything that he is. We're going to look at him, man, and it's going to be the most glorious and incredible moment of our entire existence. And so my question is, or my, my statement is this, if we're, if we're not afraid at an Aggie game, and if we see, if we have that image of seeing God face to face and, and just bowing and praising and lifting our hands, then who cares who's around us when we lift our hands in worship now? If someone's judging, that's their, that's their problem. That's their thing. And so if you are not focused and lifting your hand is going to help you to focus, to be engaged, then, I, then do it. Then do it. Who's, who cares who's around? Maybe for some of you, it's not that. Maybe for some of you, it's just closing your eyes and, and focusing on the words. Do that. Perhaps for some of you, you just can't focus and you can't focus raising your hands. Maybe for you, it's just sitting down and, and pray. Maybe you just need to pray and, and say, God, I, I'm not focused, but I want to be. I, I want to just talk to you. For some of you, maybe, maybe it's kneel. Maybe it's literally getting on the ground and kneeling. Whoa, Kyle. <laughs> getting a little too charismatic. We were a Baptist church 30 years ago. Remember that. Now, that's okay. That's okay. You can do physical things to help engage your minds, help engage your thoughts. So if that's what it takes, then, then do it. And hopefully you hear this and you feel freedom, not, okay, so you're telling me to worship a particular way. No, the freedom is you can worship in any way. When we're worshiping, you can do anything you want to do. If you want to lift up your hands, you want to close your eyes, you want to kneel, you want to sit and pray, do whatever it's going to take to have engagement. Because remember, God is worth our engagement. He is worth our engagement. The creator of the universe is worth it. He is worthy of it. And so let's come into worship with a reverence. And so if we're distracted and the only thing we got is to do is to pray, then let's just pray and let's be honest before him because he is, he is worthy and he is worth it. My point number two is this, that worship is not just a performance. And so I think a lot of us have probably been to to a church or two where the musicians are incredible. I was at one a couple months ago for Christmas. It was a Christmas Eve service. And man, the music was awesome. I think they did like pentatonics, Mary, did you know? Like really good. I mean, those guys, they were great. Um, the issue was no one in the crowd was, was really worshiping because we were just so in awe of them. You know, they would sing like solos, which is fine. I think it's good to sing a solo where someone just sings a song that no one really sings to and we just pray and we meditate. I think that's great. But man, they were so talented and, and the focus was on them. They never really opened that way and led us into worship. And that's, man, that's why I love Rob Finley leading for us. That guy, Rob, I forget that you lead for us. That's how good he is, that I forget he's there because he has led us into worship so well. And that's good. I mean, he loves that. You, what he just did was great, but I promise you he's a lot better than that. Like he, he's that times 10 if he wanted to be. And yet that's not what he does because what he's doing is leading us into worship. And so I see that in a lot of our work. Tristan Wyndham, I see it in Sarah DeGroat. 
People who just lead worship in a way that lets us focus on God and, and takes the attention off them. And you'll notice sometimes, I've noticed when Rob, when I, when I was in Dulas, when he would lead, he would just step back from the mic and just sing with us as one, as, as a body of Christ. And he, he would just step out. Of the, he didn't need the mic because we were just all singing. And it was great. I love that. And so you say, all right, that's great, Kyle, but what, is that, what does that really have to do with us? You know, if, if it's not a performance that's more on the, the worship side, not, not really ours. Well, what that means for us is our participation. Ephesians 5, 18 through 19. Be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. So if this isn't a concert, if what we're doing isn't about the people leading, if this isn't about their performance, and it's really about worship, then our job is to participate in worship because he's worthy. And no, that doesn't mean, okay, so I have to sing. No, 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 I'm I'm not saying that. But like we always go back to, there's a reverence in worship that's lost that we want back. And so it's all about engagement. And so we need participation of our mind in worship. And so Kyle, what if I sound like, I don't know, like a dying toad on its last croak? That's okay, because most of us do. I know I I am not a singer by any means, and I'm pretty bad at it. But it's not about how we sound. God just wants you to shout a joyful noise. I remember when I was in Impact, my, my prayer teamer, he, uh, he was, I mean, to put it bluntly, he was really bad. Like, really bad. It was like he could hit every key except for the key that was being, being played. Like, I mean, just bad. But you know what? Every time he worshiped, it was inspiring to see because he could care less who was around. It was just him and Jesus. It was just him focusing on Jesus. It was so touching. I, I just thought, man, I, I want that. I want to be that. I, I, I want to not care what I sound like. And so who cares who's good or who's bad? But just think about it. I don't know. There's like maybe 80 of us in here. 80 people in this room just praising God together. Think about the brothers and sisters in Christ that we're sitting next to. Those who we don't know and those who we do. And we are all united in one setting to just worship the one who is worthy of worship. That is so cool. Man, that is a joyful noise for us to come together and do that. We will be doing that for eternity. What, this is a glimpse of eternity. What we just did and what we're going to do soon is a small glimpse of eternity of what we will be doing together as Christians for the rest of our lives. So who cares how we sound? I think the second point in, in this is whatever songs played, let's worship. If Rob got up here next and sang, I can only imagine, then let's worship to I can only imagine. I think for some of us, we'd be like, I've heard that song since I was like five years old and I just can't take it anymore. Man, who cares? We're singing about surrounded, being surrounded by your glory. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus? Or in awe of you be still? Those words, I mean, think about those words. They're so intimate. And so we sometimes get, <laughs> we just get so wrapped up in the song choices and we're like, don't, don't really like this song. And it's like, who, who cares? Give us 80 people singing, bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul. And that, that just shouting out, 80 of us just singing that. It's such a cool thing to hear because he is worthy. So who, who cares about what song's being picked? Who cares about the song that's playing? It's not about us. 
It's about coming in with reverence and being engaged and worshiping the one who is worthy. And so that's great and all, but uh, I, th- I think, I think once, we, once we finally get past that, it's not about singing, it's not about performance, there's, there's a question that comes in mind, and it's this. For all eternity, yes, we, we will worship, and it will be joyful, but the reality is, right now, a lot of us are coming in here with, with a lot of pain. And so my third point is this, is worship is not always joyful. There will come a day when we see God face to face, and all of us will be joyful. All, this, all of us will be in joy, and we will all be praising God in joy together. And it'll be such a cool and beautiful moment for the rest of our lives. And the reality is, we're not there yet. The reality is, some of you are angry, and some of you are stressed, and some of you are tired. Um, some of you are, are just bored, and, and that's all right. And some of you are, are suffering. The reality is, a lot of us are hurt. And we're not in that joyful stage of our lives of eternity yet. Some of us are hurt. And so there's a point that needs to be made that worship is not always joyful. It is not always KSVJ, happy, smiley, all the time. Psalms 55, 1 through 2, 4 through 5. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. Waiting for that Hillsong album called The Horrors That Overwhelm Me. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So that's worship. That's worship. It's not always coming in and just being being happy. Our emotional state is just sad sometimes, or or it's angry sometimes, or we're, we're going through stuff that's just hard sometimes. We're not always feeling joyful in the moment where we want to worship. And I, just want, I want you to hear me when I say that that's okay. That is okay. We don't let emotions dictate our worship. We worship despite our emotions. It's laying our emotions down and confessing to God, yeah, God, I, I am suffering or I'm angry, but I choose, I choose to worship you anyways because you are worthy of it despite my emotion. And I think sometimes if we're coming in like that, if we feel that way, I think what happens is we start to feel guilty and we start to feel like we can't worship or we're not worthy of worship. And I got a newsflash for you. You are in good company because not one of us are worthy to worship. And yet through Jesus, through his life, death, and resurrection, he makes us clean and he makes us whole and he makes it to where we can worship to where it's a privilege to worship. And so if you're in here and you're feeling guilt right now, just remove that lie immediately. Remove that lie right now and know that through the blood of Jesus, you are whole and you can come before God and you can worship. And you don't need to feel guilty for it. You don't need to feel guilty for it. And so I think what we need to do in those moments is just confess. Before worship starts or during worship, whatever it's the first song or, or whatever, we just, we just need to confess. We just need to close our eyes and tell him, God, I'm angry right now. That's just where I am. And I, I don't want to be, but I'm just angry. God, I'm, I'm suffering right now. God, or I'm bored. <laughs> that, I mean, that's, emo- that's an emotion. I'm, I'm just bored right now. I'm not present. I'm distracted. I don't really care to be here. I'm tired. I'm just, I'm just tired. I, I, don't, I don't really feel engaged. And that's okay. But it's not our emotions that dictate our worship. It's we worship despite our emotions. And so we lay ourselves down and we say, God, I will worship you 
and acknowledge you as the creator despite anything I feel. And so know you are, you are completely loved by the creator. Man, he is so worthy of worship. He who created 300 billion galaxies, who created 100 billion stars in our solar system alone, who created 37 trillion cells in our body. That is the God who loves us intimately and personally, and he is so worthy of praise, and he's so worthy of worship. And I want us to come in and look at that and then just be in awe of that. To really look at that and not come in and just think I'm singing songs, but to know you're singing songs to the one who created all of that and yet loves us despite our sin and despite our brokenness. He is that good. And so don't feel guilt coming into worship. And this leads me to my, to my last point, and it's this. Um, some of us are living in habitual sin. Some of us are going through our weeks and we are just, we, we feel slave to sin. And this is your moment to confess. And here's the thing. You don't need to spend the next month in confession for him to finally forgive you. And then you can worship. You can do it right here, right today, right before Rob gets up here. Confess your sins and know that he is quick to forgive and he is quick to love. And you are quickly wiped clean. And you can worship him as a response of that forgiveness. And so what's going to happen is Rob's, he's going to come back up and he's going to, he's going to lead us into a couple of songs. But before we do that, I, I'm going to pray and then I'm going to, I'm going to let y'all pray silently for, for about two or three minutes. And in that time, I want y'all just to, to confess. I want you to confess if you're distracted or if you're bored or if you're tired. Confess your sins. Confess that you're stressed or confess that you're in pain. Whatever you need to do, but confess that. And then acknowledge God's greatness. Acknowledge that he is good. Because he is a God who loves you personally. He is a God who loves you intimately. He knows you. And so don't feel guilt in coming in worship, but feel freedom. Feel freedom if you want to lift your hands. Feel freedom if you want to pray. Feel freedom if you want to close your eyes. Feel freedom to do whatever you need to do to be engaged. Because with worship comes reverence. Reverence to the one who loves who died and rose again, that we may spend eternal life in him. We are completely pure through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so what I want to do now is I want to spend these last, last couple minutes just praising him, putting what we talked about into practice. Just praise him. So let's pray. God, we, we praise you for who you are. God, the, the God who, who placed the universe into motion, the God who, who placed the billions of stars and galaxies in the, in the sky, who, who created the depths of the ocean, the God who is so beyond worthy of praise. God, we, we don't deserve it, and yet for some reason you still love us personally. You love us intimately. And so God, we want to come before you now and just confess. Confess that, that we're, we're tired or confess that we're bored. Confess that we're suffering, that we're in pain. God, we, we confess that. We lay that before you and we acknowledge that you are bigger, that you are greater, and that you are worthy to be praised. And so, Lord, I lift up every soul in this room right now. May they not be held down by guilt. They may not be held down by lies, but know that they are loved and that they can come before you as, as we are, as sinners, through the blood of Jesus Christ by which we are saved. Go ahead and... and Keep your heads bowed and, and just pray for a couple minutes and, and just confess to yourself whatever you need to confess and then we're going to finish off with worship.